the things they did. I think that think that it was the same for Stephen. Some people needed that death to take place. Um, it's, it starts off, it's interesting because it starts off and it says that Saul consenting unto his death and at the time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the region except the apostles. So everyone after this happened, they're scattered. Then it says um, in verse 2 that there's a great lamentation and then in verse uh, three is saying that Saul is making it happen. It's like, I believe it's all a part of the will of God. We don't understand, like, why did that happen this way, God? Because God knows us, and he knows what's necessary. I believe Saul needed to see that encounter. Saul, Saul needed to be there when, when the coats were on. I'm sorry. So I need to be there uh, when the coach were at the, his feet to see how everything went down. It sparked something in him. But then when he's knocked off his feet, I don't know if that's going to I just think it was a little I think that it, it needed to happen that way, his death, so that the things that happen afterwards can push forward uh, God's plan. Amen. Uh, Evangelist Nesbitt. Okay, I agree with what you're saying, but also just on the um, just on the face of it, with the woman taken in adultery, the accusers they had a plan. Mm -hmm. They had a plan, and they were using her to, to carry it out. And it was against, so it was kind of against her, but it was against, you know, it was against, the plot was against Jesus, but they used her. Mm -hmm. They weren't as committed to that. With Stephen, the accusation was against them. So they were being accused, and the truth was being um, brought to light and they couldn't stand it because it's like someone was saying before about the light and darkness but they were so full of uh, evil that they could not stand it they, they couldn't stand it and the only way they could stop it they couldn't explain to all the people listening or, or talk to them the only way they could stop it was to stop the one who was saying it they stoned him, but it was against them. The people who stoned him, with the with the uh, woman taken in adultery, it wasn't against them. It was more subtle because Jesus wrote in the sand and said, "Who would the you know be without sin cast the first stone?" So it was a little subtle. It wasn't a direct uh, accusation against them, but Stephen made it so clear, and he attacked all, not just what they were doing then, but all that they were about, about bringing that history all the way up to the present. So it, it showed them as to being uh, full of the, the same things that they had just seen all through history, the same things that their fathers and that they were bragging about, 
their forefathers, and all the things that they uh, stood for, not what they were supposed to stand for, but what they were, the things that they bragged about. He broke down all of them, all of it, all the way back into history. So they, when they got up, when they got up to the present, they just couldn't stand it anymore. Mm-hmm. So they could, they, they stoned them. Amen. Amen. There's there's something to be said about that. With, with both instances, let's let's look at who was present at the time. Um, Vangelist Nesbitt brought up the point of the directness of uh, what Stephen was being accused of, and it was. It was not correct according to the law. They just did not want to hear it. The woman who was accused of adultery, it was clear in the law that she was worthy of a stoning because of the sin that was committed. And that's, that's why I asked the question because it's so clear what it was, but mercy was granted by the one who could do it. Uh, Sister uh, Chapman Sister Chapman brought out God's will in the situation. It had to happen this way and, and we're going to find that theme throughout the Bible. God's will is going to be done regardless of what you try to do. And that's not just locked into the pages of the books that we're going over. That's in life. You cannot move God's will around. You can't change God's will. You can't make him want something else and you can't make something else happen against his will. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's his will. You can't change that. You know, his desire to see us come to that point. And here we're seeing a lot of people who ran scared because we we keep in mind that these are new Christians and it's a new thing and when you look and see this was spoken the church grows these were said these words were said the church grows even more by the thousands and then somebody's now put to death for this now Jesus was put to death but the reason that they're out is because Jesus death was not the final thing when it came to their faith Jesus death was a necessary part of God's plan because he said that it would happen this way now Jesus also told his disciples that the cup that they were going to have to drink of was a bitter cup. Yeah, I think it was James and John wanted to know um, who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom and and uh, Jesus asked if they could drink from the cup that he was going to drink from. And they said, sure, yeah, we can do that. He said, okay, yeah, well, wait, they were trying to find out who's going to sit on the right hand. And he said, well, the right hand and was not mine to give. The left 
where, where they said it's not mine to give. Uh, but you're going to drink of this cup. All right, Sister Ernestina said this. Like Sister Nesbitt was saying, I agree they couldn't stand it anymore and wanted to get rid of Christ's light by any means. They were going back to a slave mentality, following the same path the Pharisees did by getting rid of the problem instead of accepting God in the flesh. Amen. They could not change the truth. You cannot make the truth be a lie. You can cover it with a lie as you present it, but once it shines through, it's just going to show the lie that you used to cover it, and it will attach the lie to you. The truth will stand alone. I was going to say, um, and it was along the lines of what um, Sister Chapman started saying, and I thought about it as she was saying, um, about God's will. Mm -hmm. And what I looked at in that situation with that question is who the authority was. Right. You know, now I don't mean to be misinterpreted. No matter what, God is the authority. Mm -hmm. But God allows the authority to be in certain well, hands. How is that be our ordained of God? Amen. And when they came to arrest Stephen, they were the authority because they came to arrest him. With the issue with the woman of Jesus, Jesus was the authority. Mm -hmm. They even came to Jesus as the authority on the matter. They asked him, what do you... They quoted the law and then say, but what do you say we should do? Yeah, they submitted. They submitted and they didn't even know it. They thought they were entrapping him, but they were openly submitting <laughs> to his authority in front of everybody. And sometimes it doesn't look like it. God does not have to concern himself with what it looks like. God knows what it is. Yeah. God knows who's in charge. Even when Jesus died, he was in charge. Because mm -hmm. even he said, not just to taunt them, but day after day I was in the temple. You didn't lay a finger on me. I'm reminding you that I'm in control. Mm -hmm. Even as I let you take me. So, you know, who the authority was, to me, really was the indicator. Because, like you said, the powers that be, he allowed that power to be in their hands. They were the authority. And even then, God was able to speak to what the authority was. Not to strain this, but the last point was allowing them to see where the authority was. Allowing the Pharisees to see when Stephen was talking. You notice how you don't like this? because the authority is not with you. Mm -hmm. The one is, you're not following the spirit. You're following you. The spirit would never make you jump on somebody and bite them. You got right. to see the spirit you were of. That's the authority running your country right now. Mm -hmm. That's the authority running all of you and you're claiming that the authority is God. It isn't anymore. Yeah. You killed his son. You're not listening. Amen. Um, Sister Chapman and then Hey, man, that that was that was fire. I really like the way I never ever thought of it like that. When he was like, I was in the temple. You never put a finger on me. I never thought of it as 
you didn't put a finger on me because people are around. I, I mean, I never thought of it as you didn't put a finger on me because I didn't let you. I never thought of it like that. But that is that is so powerful. And then the way you just brought that about how you're showing what's running, what's in the people, that's what it's like. God allowed everybody to see what was in their leadership, what was in the temple. This is your leadership. These are the people who are supposed These are the people who are supposed to be your leader, your spiritual leaders, and they're full of the devil. Like he said, like if you saw your bishop or pastor chewing on a person who's talking about the word and bringing it, you gonna question them. So it's like God let them see it. I think that is so powerful. Like this, look, look who's in charge. You gonna follow this? And then they let them see, God let them see Stephen's response. Lay not this to their charge. God had so much happening at that time for God to show the people who was on his side and who was on the enemy's side and gave them, those who are there, the opportunity to choose. Mm. Who are you going to follow? Amen. Amen. I, I feel like I'm repeating everybody else, but what I was about to say was that it was exposed what was in them the whole time. Mm -hmm. Or as um, like when we made the comparison about bad management, when there is an issue to be resolved and you're passing the blame. Mm -hmm. And you had your chance to repent once your spirit was exposed, but you didn't. Because what was in you was not what was in Stephen. You're not seeking... Um, not even that you're not seeking, it was it was basically the fact that that once that was exposed and once you saw it, you had your chance, but instead you tried to get rid of God by killing his follower or his vessel. Amen. Now it, it's it's very important that we, we talk about this because it's it's Stephen. It's the beginnings of the, the church, the ministry, the persecution, as it's pointed out, of the church inside of, or underneath a, a different type of authority. Now, it's been mentioned a couple of times about the authority that was there and then the authority that was uh, with, with the woman who was accused of adultery. Keeping in mind, Jesus was ultimately the authority in that situation. They didn't know, as Brother Joshua pointed out, that they had already submitted to him. They submitted themselves to the law as it was interpreted by them. But something about the way that Jesus said it made them second guess whether or not they were seeing it the right way. Because when he then turns and said, let he that is without sin cast the first stone, they dropped their stones. They were supposed to throw them, but they dropped them because there was an authority that they had to submit to. And they knew that amongst them and even amongst the people, the people have probably seen and not said. Now how are you going to stand up here and do this and then have to face the people afterwards they don't want that they fear the people so remember now this council was not just in an open square this was something that they did it was almost going through motions 
because they made up in their mind what they wanted to do with Stephen. But they gave what appeared to be the opportunity for him to defend himself. But he would not defend himself. He defended the truth by speaking it. That's the only defense that the truth needs is to be spoken. Because once it's spoken, once it's heard, once it's known, it'll stand up on their own. That's why they dropped those stones. Because they knew the truth. Why did these go through with it? Because they took him out to the, the outskirts of the city and they did it because of the authority that they submitted to was the authority of sin and death. That's what they did. They put themselves under the law because they wouldn't receive the truth. And if they did receive the truth, they would understand that they're under grace now. But they submitted to the law of sin and death which they were subject to as well. After the situation with Jesus, people looked at him and said, wow, those guys, those guys, they just left. They just left. When Stephen spoke, let's not confuse. He was submitted to the authority before him that was ordained and he was also submitted more so to the ultimate power and authority, which was God himself. So whatever God's will is, I'm going to go through with it. And when he was put to death, much like those who followed Jesus in the beginning, and didn't quite understand everything that was going on, why it was happening this way, they scattered. Let's not look at this as a strange thing. Jesus was put to death and they scattered. The apostles, or at the time the disciples, they scattered because they didn't understand. But now they have the Holy Ghost and the authority and power and they go, go into these situations with the knowledge of what's really happening. We're going to suffer many things. Remember when they were um, slapped around and told to leave the city? What did they do? They rejoiced. Because something greater was in them. Peter's understanding now is far beyond where it was. It was far beyond where it was. So he could stand in the face of those who were trying to destroy him and rejoice knowing that this is God's will. For these new believers, they are not quite there yet. They see somebody who's following God. They see somebody like Stephen who's devoted, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, being stoned to death. And they don't understand it. But the apostles did. So they didn't, they didn't run scared. They walked in that authority. They understood it. Then we get further down. We look and see. Let me bring it up for everybody. Okay, we looked and saw the 
the reaction when everybody hung to the words Philip proclaimed. Philip was who? An apostle. And Philip just, it's like the baton was passed. They didn't miss a step. Stephen gives up the ghost and Philip picks up the baton and keeps on going and preaching fearlessly. Proclaiming the message of the Messiah. When the people heard what he had to say and saw the miracles, the clear sign of God's action, they hung on his every word. Many who could neither stand nor walk were healed that day. The evil spirits protested loudly as they were sent on their way. And what joy in the city. Let me speak to something that we just read before we get to verse 9, 10, and 11. It's this part right here. See that? The people saw, when people heard what he had to say and saw the miracles. Why is that important to highlight? That they heard what he had to say and they saw the miracles. The clear sign of God's action. I mean, as witnesses. So, I mean, that's the first thing I look at is that it's people who witness what's going on. Um, like you just said, just that much more not being able to deny the truth. Mm -hmm. Not being able to just say, oh, that's a hoax. I mean, that's what they talked about, you know. But some of these people coming in, some of these people filling up the crowds may not be the same wave of people that were around when Jesus was doing what he was doing. But now the stuff that they've heard about Jesus doing, yes. his followers are doing it now. Mm -hmm. And there's witnesses. There's great crowds of witnesses like there was in Jesus' days. So again, it's just evidence. And keep, keep in mind, um, Brother Joshua said, in Jesus' days, this is speaking just to the, the time where he was walking the earth. That's, that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Right. Just, just so that it's clear. Um, because we're not far removed from the time. You know, people who are speaking now were alive when Jesus was alive on earth as a man. But there's something about the miracle. The miracle is a witness. It's for the unbeliever to believe. But something had to exist there. We listen. Listen to what's being said. They're scattered. What does them being scattered tell us about the people? What? They're not unified. They're not unified. What what causes them to be scattered? To be a government authority? Okay. Fear. Scared. They're scared. That's why they're running away. It's going in other different directions. And yes, there was a, a lack of unity on some level because you have those that stood which were named, and you had those that were scattered. Mentioning those things, the people scattered. But we just highlighted something else that's so important. 
to speak to with regards to them scattering and it's the miracles that were taking place. Sister Chapman? I'm going to say it's just like the, what happened to the disciples when Jesus died. That's who they were looking to as, although they said he was going to, but it's like you have him display this power and it seems like you're being overtaken. So if they can overtake you, they can overtake us. So I feel like that's why they were fearful because they just saw someone who was a hero in their faith, mm -hmm. um, who they looked up to. Um, they thought, walked in the authority and power of God, seeming to be overtaken by that evil. Mm -hmm. So it's like if, if they can, if he's going to be overtaken, what's going to happen to me? Right. And that could be why. Okay. If you hold somebody in high esteem and you see them put to death uh, that's a very good comparison because Stephen in the eyes of those who didn't follow closely to Jesus may, that may have been their hero of the faith so to speak and they may not have realized how much faith they put in the man himself until he was put to death that's what happened with the disciples they didn't realize how much faith they were putting in the man himself. That's what Jesus said. If I don't leave, the comforter cannot come. The Holy Ghost cannot come. If I stay here. Because you will depend on me to do what God has put in you to do. But there's, there's something I think that uh, I think you'll catch that there were places that Jesus could not perform miracles. It said that he could not perform miracles because something was lacking. Say that again. Faith. Faith. Now I want us to, to take some time and think about what's happening here. Now let's go back to the verse that we just highlighted. What does that tell us? What does that tell us right now about what was going on in the city? When the people heard what he had to say and saw the miracles, the clear sign of God's action, they hung on his every word. What does that tell us about this place? Well, I would infer that their fear was suppressing their faith. You know, the fear of what happened, like you said, watching your leader fall and all this, you know, that goes for more than just the disciples. That goes for the people that follow him town to town. But the faith was still there. Right. They were just afraid to openly believe because they felt, they may have felt that their, you know, their hope, their dreams was all in the man. Like, but wait a minute, if all his followers can do what he did, hope is still alive. So all that to say, like, they still, there was still belief. There was still faith lingering. It was just uh, quiet right now because of fear. Right. And, and that's, that's really where I was driving this, this thing to. Regardless of what they had just experienced or seen with their own eyes, in that city, 
there was still faith. And I mention it because what the Bible says about Jesus, Jesus not being able to do miracles because of lack of faith. And here you have it, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit and wisdom was put to death because he spoke the truth. And you've got people who just came into the fold running scattered. Self-preservation, that's a natural thing. They're hiding, they scattered off, they, they don't want to be caught. But they would not relinquish their faith. That is something to speak about. That is something to rejoice about. Your faith is not trumped by your fear. Fear comes. Fear comes in waves at times. Fear can be sparked by events, but it does not mean your faith has to be gone. You don't have to let go of your faith to see that fear is present. Because now you can put fear in its place. Doesn't mean that it won't come. You just know when it comes, it's not from God. How do I deal in this situation? We may ask ourselves, how do I deal with the situation that I'm in? I'm not sure what tomorrow is going to hold. Well, we talked about that, son. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. There's enough in tomorrow for tomorrow to worry about itself. Do today. We talked about um, depression and anxiety. Living in a place where you cannot be. Living in the past for too much is going to lead to depression. You can't live there. You can't change things there. It's done. But you do have now. The future. Fear may come about the future and the uncertainty of it, but you cannot live there. And if you try, you open the door for anxiety. But we have now the moments that we're in. There was a, a quote I, I posted. It's from a, a famous show. And the character made a very sobering thought. He said, I wish... Well, I'm going to paraphrase. He said... I wish we knew we were in the good old days before they're gone. In essence, the good old days that we speak of, we think of them, we look at them fondly, but while we were in them, did we live them like they were the good old days? Like the moment is precious now? We look back and see that because we can appreciate what it brought us to. Why not live in the moment now and not worry about what tomorrow's going to bring? Didn't God take care of you? You look back over your life, didn't God take care of you when you were worried about what was going to happen? What was going to happen at your job? What was going to happen with your health? What was going to happen with your loved one? How you were going to make it through? Didn't you have concerns about that during that time? 
but you look back and see God brought you through and you saw somewhat of a path like it was meant to happen that way. Why would he allow good things to, uh, bad things to happen to good people? Why did Stephen have to be put to death? Because in the moment, if you look at it from a carnal perspective and just in that moment, and allow your anxiety to direct your future thinking. You look and say, well, Stephen was put to death and then Saul of Tarsus went to work. Oh, man. When he was put to death, Saul just stood there and, and held the coats of the men that stoned Stephen. But now he's gone to work. He's dragging men and women out of their homes, putting them in jail, persecution to the church. That's the response of Stephen's death. But what about uh, Philip? Why don't we look at it from that perspective? Philip began to preach even more. And he went to places and it shows the Holy Spirit didn't lose no power. And the people, though they had fear, did not lose their faith. Not to the point where they could not experience the miracles of God before them. And that's, that's a thing, that's a lesson that we need to learn and, um, and embrace. Now when we come back next week, we're going to deal with the other section of this. We dealt with the death of Stephen and, and, and what what base we're starting off with uh, in chapter 8 the next series of verses we're going to look at the series with Simon the sorcerer and I want us to read to discuss and come back with a comment what Ever stands out to you in it if it's a comment or a question bring it in next week so that we can look in and discuss it amen